1: under the Jews a stumbling block, under the Greeks foolishness, but unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God.
0: Now here's your host, Thomas Irvin.
2: All right, well let's um, get this show on the road. Um, a couple more of a, a couple more announcements. The Moors are homesick. Um, just what they need. They they're both coughing their head off and didn't get much sleep last night, so they stayed home so as not to share it. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, well, I talked to them last night, and they didn't mention anything about it. They were, they seemed to be fine, but but I, maybe it developed last night or yesterday. I'm not sure. But So pray for them. Um, pray for the Powell's on January 14th. Uh, they will both be getting baptized, and they are inviting their families to come, and so should be a great day here. Uh, Brother Nathan's dad will be here. I'm excited to meet him. I mean, I'm excited to meet your family also, but... You understand the history that he has with this place and all that, and so I'm excited to meet him. And so they will uh, we'll, we'll make a big day of that. Maybe we'll I don't know. I was going to say maybe we'll have food, but we always have food. So. <laughs> that'll that'll be in the 2 p.m. service. All right, so look forward to that. Uh, continue to pray for the church meeting December 24th, um, and. Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Irvins hath not where to lay their head. (laughs) Um, We had to move out of the house. Now, the reason I'm telling you that is because, you know, many people in the church had a lot of involvement in our moving into the house and helped to clean it and do some things there. But um, the, the family... Due to some complexities with the conservatorship and the courts and uh, some family issues, they felt like it would just be best if nobody rented the house, or at least not right now, I guess. I don't, I don't know what their future plans are. but So they uh, basically informed us that we had 30 days to find a new home. So praise the Lord, as of today, we signed a lease on a new home, and it's actually in Agricola. So it will be over on that side of town now and I also say that to let everybody know that we still plan to do to have our December thirty first get together. It'll just be in a new location. <laughs> What's that? Uh do you know where a courtyard the courtyard homes are? It's right there. It's uh one one three courtyard lane. Yeah. It's I think. Yes yeah, the very first one. It's right behind the the Chevron. So yeah, so we, uh, Monday morning we went to Better Homes and Gardens and talked to them and uh, they directed us to this place and uh, did all the paperwork and we signed the lease and uh, gave them the money and everything this morning. So, so <laughs> we'll be moving again, <laughs> which is just what I was hoping we could do, you know, it's so exciting. So, uh, but it's okay, it is what it is. Uh, nothing we can do about it. The 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 people with the home where we've been staying, uh, they tried their best to accommodate us and and help us any way they could. I think it just got really difficult with the conservatorship and all that. And and I think it's best if we moved on as well because if something happens out there, and the courts are not happy about it, it could really it could get ugly. So uh, I think it's just best if we move on. Um, I, You know, I mean, it is what it is. It helped; it gave us a place to stay while we sort of got settled, and now we have another place to stay. So, praise the Lord; it's all right. Um, No, no, no workshop. So I will have to either figure that out or or return the equipment. One of the one of the two. So, yeah, neither is ideal. So we'll see; we'll figure that out. You know, just there's nothing we can do about it. the The home is in great condition. The home is really nice. Uh, They remodeled it. Uh, I think they they threw out the number thirty thousand dollars on the remodel. So it's really nice. It's in good condition. So uh, no issue there. Nothing for us to do. Now, of course, it's not as uh, secluded as the current house we're renting, which we will we will miss. It is on a, I think it looks like it's a, it's either a half acre or a three quarter acre lot. So it's a decent size uh, lot, Um, but you know, it'd be a little different, but it'd be okay. Uh, We'll have to figure out the equipment part and woodworking part. Uh, I did have an interview today with uh, Merchants and Marine Bank, and it went really well. So uh, Now, they they haven't said if they're going to hire me or not, but but it did go really well, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, She had one other person to interview, so we'll see how it goes. So if you pray about that as well. Um, And then one other little detail. We found out today... That my wife is pregnant with our third child. So, now we haven't told any family. So, don't put the, you know don't mention anything. Yeah, yeah. Well, but it spreads fast on social media and all that. So, you know, just we'll, we'll let them know very soon in the next day or two. But Kristen suspected it, and then today she confirmed it. I suppose. I mean, I don't understand how you can go buy a little piece of plastic, and then, you know. I mean, you know how it goes. We're not gonna, <laughs> you know, need to explain all that. when my sister was born, there were three of us, eighteen
1: months, nineteen months apart. Yeah. Pam Had her days <laughs> and nights mixed up and wouldn't sleep. So Philip would
0: use the room and knock the hook off the screen door. We'd go out almost to the street of people out. Oh.
2: Wow. Well, she she had just come to the conclusion that we thought we were going to just kind of stop it too and I guess the Lord had other plans. So I said yes and yes. Right. Right. So now we have another whiny brat coming. Are you a whiny brat? He says I won't be the baby. Yeah. <laughs> no. Now you're just a now you're an inconspicuous middle child. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what his deal is tonight, though. He is, he is whiny tonight. huh? Yeah, they're, they're both tired, and they just got over their fevers. So, All right, so that, that's our announcements for the evening. Um, so if you'd pray about those things, a lot going on in this little place with uh, all the people around us. Um, I heard from uh, bro- Brother Don, Miss Patsy is, you know, she made it back okay. Everything's going good there. Uh, he has sent me a few messages that I, I, I meant to write down what he said and, and, and tell you more about it in church. But one of which was a, a graduation that he went to. And one of the girls that he, he and Miss Patsy had a, played a major role in helping to bring up graduated, and she, she was able to give her testimony. At the graduation, and it went really well. And she, it was really Christ-centered, and she was um, very thankful to her papa and mama, which you know is Brother Don and Miss Patsy, and uh, I don't recall her name. I'll try to write the details down and talk more more intelligibly about it on Sunday. I think it'd be a blessing for the for people in church to hear about it. But he said. He and half the place was in tears by the time she was done, so uh, so it's a blessing. It's good. It's good. So Romans chapter 1, and we will pick up in our study through the book of Romans. We're going to um, look at kind of a uh, the factual basis of Jesus being of the seed of David. We're going to see it in several places in Scripture. it would be a very simple message tonight, nothing too deep or challenging, but we're going to demonstrate that Jesus Christ is of the seed of David. We'll probably talk about this for a couple more services, uh, his being of the seed of David. It's very important um, that attachment to David, it, it has multiple implications, one of which being he's a man, and that's that's. There are two things that, you know, a couple of things that we want to focus on tonight as we go through this or that I want you to have in your head. Number one, Jesus Christ is a man. He is made. All right. That, that's, that's very important. And, and this hangs a lot. This, a lot of people get hung up on this because they ask, is he God or is he man? And the answer, of course, is yes. <laughs> he is Both. You, can't, you don't get one without the other. You can't say, well, I believe in the Jesus who is God. Well, you got the wrong Jesus because he is both God and man. You have to have both. And then people say, well, I don't, I don't see how he can do that. There are probably a lot of things God does that you can't see how he does. <laughs> like that. Uh, when did that become an indication of whether you should believe it or not? Right. Well, and we're going to get to that. He he has to be a, you know, that's the picture that you have, you know, in in the Old Testament. He has to be a kinsman redeemer. You know, I mean, there's so much to it. But tonight we're going to establish the fact that he came, of, that he was made of the seed of David. He is a man. He came in the flesh. Now, that means as a descendant of David, he's also in line to the throne. So he is the king of Israel. Uh, if the king of Israel he's also the Christ which is the coming Messiah all that is connected he is a man who took on a body of flesh God he was eternally he was God he came into this world took on a body of flesh became a man but as a man Jesus Christ he is the king of the Jews he is the Christ he is the Messiah all of that is is interwoven together all right? and, and, and so you can't separate any of that. So let's, let's read verses 1 through 7 again together real fast. Uh, Romans 1, chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated under the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the holy scriptures concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness, By the resurrection from the dead, by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom are you also the called of Jesus Christ to all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're going to focus in on verse 3 again, concerning his son Jesus Christ, now that, that concerning is pointing us back to the, the gospel of God. What is the gospel of God about? Who is it about? What's the foundation of the gospel of God? Well, it's Jesus Christ, our Lord, who is the Son of God, but was made of the seed of David. And, 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 and it notes that that was done according to the flesh. Now, what you have in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are details of the life of Jesus, Jesus Christ after the flesh in accord with his flesh. He came into the world. When he came into the world, he took on a body of flesh. And then Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John tell us about it. And I mean, I know that's incredibly deep, but you know, it's, you have to point out these details because Jehovah's Witnesses, again, Jehovah's Witnesses, Islam, Mormons, all these different cults will tell you different things about Jesus Christ, some of which is based on biblical truth. But it's only half true. It's only half the picture. It's only half the truth. Now, a lot of, and even a majority of what they teach is false. But they they interweave a little bit of truth in there. So then, when they, they can point to you in the Bible and say, "See, Jesus was a man." Well, yeah, he was a man. <laughs> well, but he wasn't only a man. Or they say, "See, Jesus was a prophet." Well, yeah, he was a prophet. But that's not. You know, I'm a father, I'm a pastor, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a brother, I'm a son, I'm all those things. You can't say, well, well, Brother Thomas is only one of those. You need all of those to complete who I am. Well, you need all of that truth to complete who Jesus Christ is. You can't exclude one or leave something out. You got the wrong Jesus if you do. All right, And so that, that's why it's important to hone in on these. And we're going to talk about... Him being of the seed of David for probably a couple more Sundays because tonight we're going to kind of uh, uh, focus on this made aspect of it and demonstrate that he is of the seed of David. It's, it's irrefutable. This one verse alone is enough to, to make that so. But there are multiple verses that will demonstrate that to you and will, and will make that clear to you. And so we want to see those and talk about those. But look at the emphasis as we go through these on the word made. He was made after the seed of David. And that's important because Jesus Christ, the Word, the eternal God. Now, now, now look at this. Look at how, look at how the Bible uh, puts this together. Look, look, look again at verse 3. Concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David. Right? Right? Now, that's absolutely true. Jesus Christ came and took on a body of flesh and came after the seed of David. That, that is absolutely true. That, that tells us he's a man. But, all right, and, and, and it says he was made after the seed of David according to the flesh. Well, why know that? You wouldn't say Thomas was born after the seed of my father according to the flesh. Well, in what other way would I have been born or, or made manifest? That's it. If I exist, it's after the flesh. Otherwise, I'm a figment of your imagination and don't exist. Well, that's not true of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 4. And declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. So he's made after the seed of David, but he is declared to be the Son of God. He didn't become the son of God. He didn't, it didn't, it wasn't like a sudden thing like, oh, oh, we, uh, that's the son of God. Let's, let's tell people that he is declared to be the son of God, which is directly linked just as being after the seed of David has implications. Christ, King, man, being the son of God has implications. His deity. He is the word that was made manifest in the flesh. All right. So eternally. What, there, what, what God is telling you there, this man came into the world after the seed of David. And, and then he was declared to be the son of God. It was proven that he is the son of God. He was not just a man. He was God. He rose from the dead. Who else do you know who did that? Nobody. Anybody else who's come back from the dead, God called them back from the dead. Right? And so, and so it, 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 Lazarus, come forth. <laughs> like it, it, nobody's going to say, Lazarus rose from the dead it, you know Lazarus didn't take it upon himself to defeat death and hell only Jesus Christ did that and so that that is a declaration of his deity now we have here this first part he's made after the seed of david he is a man but he's a man that that's this is the foundation to who he is he's a man after the seed of david he's the messiah he's he's the christ and the humanity of christ was was a necessity it was required in order for him to author eternal salvation. God couldn't just come save man. If, if God could have just pardoned man, that's, that's, and I've talked about it in here a few times before, that's one of the issues, that's one of the major faults in Islam. If you ask a Muslim, have you kept all the laws of Allah perfectly? Well, no, nobody has. Okay, then what's going to happen to you when you die? Because Allah says if you don't keep them you, you, you don't go to paradise and get 72 virgins. You go to hell. All right, so what's going to happen to you? And what they'll say is, well, when I stand before Allah, he will be gracious and forgive me. So, well, then that's what he's going to do to me. What's the problem? I don't need to be a Muslim. I just, when I stand before Allah, like, oh, I didn't know. Sorry. And he'll forgive me and be gracious and let me in. Right? All right so so if, if a judge has a man on trial... And that man, that man committed murder and they have all the evidence against him. They have all the witnesses there. And the man says, well, you know, just be gracious and forgive me. I, I only murdered one time. I won't do it again. I'll never do it again. And the judge says, oh, well, he apologized. Let's be gracious and let him go. Was justice served? Absolutely not. There is nothing just about that whatsoever. The, the, the family of the woman who was murdered or the person who was murdered is sitting there like, are you kidding me? Okay, we forgive you, but you don't get to walk out of here. <laughs> You're going to jail. It actually, it would be better if there was a death sentence. You don't get to just murder somebody and say, well, it was just one time. Forgive me. Sorry. Won't do it again. Well, on that basis, let's just <laughs> let's roll out the red carpet and let you out of here. God, God can't, if an unjust judge wouldn't just let you walk out of the courtroom well, as a murderer, God's not going to let you just walk out of the courtroom as a sinner. God is righteous. God is holy. It's just not going to happen. And so, uh, so this, this confusion between the two has to be pointed out so that they see that, that, that they have a big problem. Jesus Christ had to come take on a body of flesh. He had to go to the cross. He had to suffer and die on our behalf in order for justice to exist. In order for this transaction, for us to be saved, to to be righteous, to be holy, to be just, somebody has to suffer. Somebody has to pay the penalty for our sin. God can't just say, Ah, well. if if God could just wipe it all away, he could just sit in heaven and do that. He wouldn't have to send his son to die on a cross. He could just say, okay, well, we'll start over. I forgive you. And we'd just do it again. We'd, we'd be in the same mess all over again. So Jesus Christ had to come, take on a body of flesh, and had to die in our place. He had to suffer in our place in order for salvation to be available. And, and without that, it's, it's not justice. It's not righteous. It's not holy. That's just somebody freely allowing a bunch of sinful men to, to do whatever they want with no repercussions. That's not going to go well. Look at Los Angeles. Look at Seattle. Look at San Francisco. The police don't do anything, they can't do anything, and so it's it's disgusting. It's it's rampant with crime because there are no repercussions for your wrong. And and so that doesn't work anyway. So Christ had to come in the flesh, die on the die on the cross. He was made of the seed of David when he came as a man and and he had to become man in order in order for eternal salvation to be available. Now, the Bible often speaks of being made. And and when it talks about that, or when it comes to deity, he is declared. Jesus Christ was made after the seed of David, but he was declared to be the son of God, which is just a declaration of the reality. It's not, he didn't become God. It's God telling you, you know, it says in Hebrews 1 that um, he told the angels when they saw Jesus, worship him. Well the the purpose for that is just because just because he's in a body of flesh he's not any less God the fullness of the godhead still dwelt in him bodily. So the angels are looking at this and saying, "What is going on? The word just became a man." <laughs> and God said, "That's God. Worship him. Nothing is different. Just because he's in a body of flesh doesn't mean he lost rank or, or his ability to, to be equal with God. He's still God. And so you, 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 you are to worship him and treat him accordingly. And uh, so he, he's declared to be the son of God. He was not made the eternal God. He is the eternal God. He was made perfect. He was made of the seed of David, but he was always God. The Bible often talks about Jesus and says he was made this. He was made that, but he's always been God. All right, that there, that as a man, he was made certain things and given certain honor, but he, he was always God. Now, um, in order to provide eternal salvation as a remedy for man's sin, God had to condescend in a body of flesh to accomplish his death. When God came into the world, it was prophesied that he would come to come of the seed of David, and God accomplished that prophecy perfectly. The Jews had no reason to mistake his identity. That they knew exactly what they were looking for, and Christ fulfilled their expectations perfectly. The problem is, if, 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 if I had this great political advantage as the religious leaders, Rome is throwing us a bone and saying, you keep your people in order, and I'll give you this special political advantage, and then comes the Messiah. Well, he's going to mess this up for us. And we can't have that. And so, instead of submitting to their their true King, they fought against him and they rejected him. Uh, now, look, look at Philippians chapter two. And again, I want you to I want you to focus or or think about this idea of him being made as we look at these, um, as in terms of his de- his uh, humanity. It's important. Philippians chapter two. We we'll read verses five and six. Verse five. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Now, now, you see the equality there, right? He's equal with God. But look at verse 7. But made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. All right, so this is God. He's equal with God. There's no, he chose to take this place of subjection to the Father. But without that voluntary subjection, he he is equal with God in every way. There there is no difference between him and the Father. Uh, They are equal one with another. They they are God. And and so it uses that term made. and, And Jesus Christ volunteered to take on this body of flesh and to come live in a sin-cursed world, look at First Timothy chapter three. We'll look at several verses real fast, and then I want to show you something interesting um, related to this this idea of of God coming in a body of flesh, which is which is incredible. And I can see I can see how it would cause people to stumble. What do you mean? <laughs> You know, people today are struggling to even believe there is a God. And, and now I want them to believe that not only is there a God, but one day he became a man. <laughs> and they're like, I saw that movie. <laughs> well, it's not a movie. Hollywood often rips off the Bible, but it happened. And Jesus Christ is the one who, who came and died for you. And so uh, 1 Timothy 3, look at verse 16. And without controversy. Now, that, this is a great statement based on you know related to what i just said without controver- controversy great is the mystery of godliness now is that not unbelievably true all right this this mystery explain to me how god became man all i can do is submit to you that it's without controversy it's it's a great mystery It's not controversial to anybody that that is a difficult concept to grasp. But God's not asking you to grasp the concept. He's asking you to trust him. And, And he has demonstrated he is trustworthy. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. That's the four Gospels in a nutshell. <laughs> I mean, that's an unbelievably concise breakdown of uh, that. That is a great hypothesis for the four Gospels. Just a simple sentence that will, uh, you know, a thesis statement that will that will tell you exactly what the four Gospels are about. Christ came, took on a body of flesh, he preached to the Gentiles, died on the cross, justified in the spirit. I mean, all these things, and then he was received into glory that's it yeah that that's pretty much that pretty much sums it up all right but people still get hung up okay but tell me again about this god becoming man thing <laughs> because all, throughout all history kings have called themselves gods men you know prophets or or religious leaders have called themselves gods and and they have tricked hordes of people into following them and and it It usually doesn't end well. And so now now we're trying to get people to understand this great mystery and and that the fact that God became flesh um, and was subject to the daily difficulties of you and me. I mean, think about that. Jesus had to do laundry, (laughs) he had to do dishes. I mean, it's, you know, like it's, it's not, he, he, whatever we have struggled with on a daily basis, except for just a few things. Did he ever have a cold? Not likely. Maybe, but not likely. Did he ever get sick? I mean, that, that's a breakdown of the body because of sin. Well, Christ didn't have any sin in his body. All right? But he had to get up and go to work. He had to sharpen tools, and he had to chop wood, and he had to make furniture. And, and I mean, he had to do all the things that we have to do on a daily basis. Christ went through all of that, voluntarily. I mean, that is, is, that not, I mean, that is incredible. That's God getting up, putting his clothes on, and going to work, punching a clock, and doing his job. <laughs> and then he wants us to do the same thing. But I don't want to do that. I'm a Christian. Well, so was he. <laughs> and he did it. And so we should do the same. But it, it is a great mystery. Because you, you, then, you then your mind starts running. I mean, he had to take showers. He had to, you know, use the bathroom. He had to <laughs> do all sorts of things that we had to do. And, you know, he had lunch and dinner. And I mean, that's God. He's just walking around on earth in a body of flesh. Yes, he is God. But he became man. And and so whatever we are subject to, he had to do the same, which is pretty incredible. Look at Galatians 4. Galatians 4 and verse 4. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law. Now that's the beautiful thing about uh, Romans chapter 4, and and we're going to have a lot of fun when we get there uh, one year, Lord willing. Um, But the... The Lord uses two examples. Abraham, who was before the law, but was saved by grace through faith. He believed God, and it was counted unto him to righteousness. And then he uses David, who is made under the law, who was also saved by, faith through, by, by grace through faith, and, and was counted righteous because of his belief in what God said. And so here we are today. Those two are the example... For what we do today, we trust in what God said, how that Christ died for your sins, according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. And so here we are now. God's been made manifest in the flesh. He's been brought in the world, came from a woman. That's interesting. How can he come from a woman and not come from a man? Well, he was conceived of the Holy Spirit. He came from a virgin. That's the doctrine. That's our teaching. That's what we believe about Jesus. That's what the Bible says very clearly. And that, that woman happened to be of the seed of David. So was Joseph. Not that that matters, but, but they were both of the seed of David, and Jesus Christ was of the seed of David. Um, that, that's, that's Romans 1 all over again. Look at John 7. John chapter 7. And we'll see it again. And it's one of the reasons the Jews had such a problem with him. If he was born of the seed of David, he has rights to the throne, which supersedes this political establishment, this religious political establishment that they've come up with that, that is to their benefit. John chapter 7, look at verse 42. Hath not the scripture said that Christ cometh of the seed of David and out of the town of Bethlehem where David was. Now they're they're trying to ridicule him here like are you sure this is who we're looking for because he comes from Nazareth. <laughs> we're looking for somebody who comes from Bethlehem. Well he was born in Bethlehem, he grew up in Nazareth and and so they're they're struggling a little bit but we'll, we'll see it again look at second uh, Timothy 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2, and we'll see it again in the, deeper in our New Testament. Good New Testament doctrine. 2 Timothy 2, verses 7 and 8. Consider what I say, and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. Now that is Romans 1 all over again. He was, he, he was made of the seed of David, and he, he was declared to be the Son of God by the resurrection from the dead. That, that's the doctrine. That's the teaching. In the flesh, he came from David. It goes all the way back to Abraham. Abraham, David, Jesus. But after, you know, it, the, the eternal aspect is he's God. He was always God. And the reason he rose from the dead is because he's God. And that there's, there's no other reason. It wasn't because he was just such a special man. He was God. And, and so he, he could do that. Look at Revelation 22. We'll look at a couple more, and then I want to show you this link between the Word and Jesus Christ. Now, I know everybody, everyone who knows anything about John chapter 1 would say that Jesus is the Word, but we want to be able to connect it in the Scriptures. We want to be able to show it to people and demonstrate it. Revelation, um, what did I say? Yeah, I'm in chapter 2. I don't know why you made me go there. Revelation 22, verse 16. I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. Now, here's what's so amazing about that. As he says that... John, the apostle, is looking at the resurrected Jesus Christ in glory. (laughs) And he says, by the way, I'm the root and offspring of David. And so so it it all ties together. It fits fits so neatly. Look at Revelation 5. Let's see it again. Revelation 5, verse 5. And one of the elders said unto me, Weep not, behold, behold. The lion of the tribe of Judah. Now, in order to be of Judah, what what did he have to do? He had to be born. He had to come from the bloodline of the tribe of Judah, right? And then it continues the root of David hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. So nobody else in heaven and earth could do this except one person. That makes him awfully unique. What's so unique about him? He's God. You know, being able to open the seals to this book has nothing to do with his lineage back to David. That's his future. He's going to be king. He's going to rule. He's going to reign. He's going to establish his kingdom on earth. But right now, it's time to kick off the tribulation. And they're about to start opening seals and sounding trumpets. And and it's going to get ugly really fast. So when people say, well, I believe the church is going to go through through the tribulation. My question to them is, have you read the book of Revelation? Do you know what it says? You think there's a chance you're going to go through that? <laughs> the world is going through, the wrath of God is going to be poured out for the first three three and and a half years. And then for the second three and a half years, the wrath of the Antichrist is going to be poured out. And it's far more intense because he's angry. So you think you're just going to, what, store up some Canned food and grab an AR-15 and hide somewhere. What do you? I don't understand what you think is going to happen when when locusts start coming out of the earth with the head of a lion and the tail of a scorpion and chasing you down. What are you going to do with your canned goods and your AR-15? right, It's just I. I don't think. Yeah, you're going to drive. <laughs> you to be screaming for your life. you to be crying out to the rocks. Fall on me. <laughs> Get me out of here. And and yeah. Well, then another one would just come along. So, um, look at Luke chapter one. So it's 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 a mess. When people say, "Well, I think I think the church is going to go through the tribulation," I don't think you're thinking. You said you were thinking. I just don't think I don't think I don't think you were. Um, But but that. I mean, uh, my pastor used to always joke, uh, "Go for it." No, go for it. Try it. Do it. <laughs> go, go. I mean, it's not an option for the church, but I almost wish if you believed that the Lord would say, "Okay, let's let you have a day or two <laughs> and just just see how it goes for you." <laughs> yeah, yeah, for them, not me. I'm, I'm, I, the Bible says Jesus Christ is coming back for me. I'm, I don't want to stay. I don't want to try it. I don't. And then you know, it's always and it's always an American who's saying it, who has air conditioning and two or three cars and cell phones, and internet, and let the internet go out one time, or the air conditioning break. And what do they do? They lose their minds. And you think you're going to go through the tribulation? You're you're not. You just just be thankful that you're saved and be quiet. So Luke chapter 1, look at verses 30 through 33, verse 30. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God, and behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb... And bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his, what? Father, David, as he comes from the seed of David. That's who Jesus is in the flesh, after the flesh. Look at verse 33. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. Now, what's he going to reign over? The house of Jacob, who is Jacob, Israel. All right, he's the king of the Jews. All right, he's not the king of the church or or, or any of that. Now he has made us kings and priests, and he is the king of kings. So you could maybe make an argument that that's the case, but um, uh, generally speaking, or te- from a technical perspective, he is the king of the Jews. That that's who he is. He's our Savior. He, he, you know, he's. We are in the body of Christ. We are His bride. Uh, I have a friend. I like to tell this story. Uh, I had some friends who were when I lived in Egypt. I had some friends there who were missionaries, and this was my first encounter. I'd been saved maybe a year, and uh, this brother was the first man to put me in a pulpit. And uh, he and I'd go out and preach the gospel to Muslims for hours into the night in, in, in Egypt. And then we'd come back, and me, him, and his wife would sit and talk and hang out, and you know, and you start getting tired, and you get kind of goofy, and you know, everything's funny, and and uh, so he looked at his wife, and he said, just randomly, he looked at his wife, and he said, "Honey, you're a son of God," and she said, "Yes, dear, and you're the bride of Christ." <laughs> so, anyways, I didn't have anything to do with anything. I just. Uh, John chapter 1, let's go to something else, <laughs> let's change the thought. John chapter 1, they are missionaries now in Dearborn, Michigan, and if I ever get a chance, we'll have him down here, try to let him thaw out a little bit, and uh, <laughs> and yeah, Dearborn, whew, no thank you. John one. All right. So now this is what we want to do here. I want to I want to show you something here that's very interesting. Now again, it's it's very technical, but it's good to see. Uh, if I were to say to you, prove to me that Jesus, Jesus, the man Christ Jesus, is the Word. How would you do that? John one. Well, John one just says the Word was was with God and and was God, but it doesn't say that He was Jesus. How would you connect the fact that the Word is Jesus? (laughs) Well, my wife has heard this, so she doesn't get to answer. All right, so let me show you. John 1, verse 1, and we'll read verses 1 through 3. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. All right, so... Whoever the word is, he's the creator. He is God, right? There, there's no mistaking that. But how do we know the word is Jesus? We know that God was made manifest in the flesh and that, that, that God was called Jesus. But we want to see a direct connection, a direct link. And the, the solution, the answer is in the testimony of John the Baptist. Look at verses 14 through 16. And we'll see something interesting. Verse 14, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glories of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, still, nothing about Jesus, right? So far, all we have is the Word, and we know that the Word was made manifest in the flesh. Correct? Everybody follow me? All right, now, if you go to verse 15, John bear witness of Him. Well, of who? The Word, right? Right? Still no Jesus. His name hadn't been mentioned. There's no connection yet between the two. It's just telling us that this word, who was in eternity, who created everything, um, John came to bear witness of him and cried, saying, This was he of whom I cried, saying, uh, of whom I spake, He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. All right. So Now, whoever this is, he's talking about the word. Was before him, meaning the eternal God, but came after him. And of course, we know that Jesus was born six months after John the Baptist, but he didn't say that here. He still hadn't said who it is he's talking about. All we know is he's referring to the Word. We want to connect the Word to Jesus Christ. Verse 16, and of his fullness have we all received, and grace for grace, for the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Now, there's a random mention of his name, but it hasn't connected yet that he is the word. So we jump down to verse, verses 26 through 34. And now what we just read from John the Baptist, he gave he, he is bearing witness. And the testimony he gives is that there is someone coming who is preferred before him, but came after him. Right. He's greater than me. He's preferred before me. That's the testimony he gave, right? All right. Now, verse 26, let's, let's see if that testimony helps us identify who we're looking for. Verse 26, John answered them saying, I baptize with water, but there standeth one among you whom you know not. He it is whom coming after me is preferred before me. That's the same testimony, right? And, and, and then he's about to point someone out as to who he's talking to. "...whose shoes latchet I am not worthy to unloose. These things were done in Bethabara beyond Jordan, where John was baptizing. The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him, and saith, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world, this is he of whom I said, After me cometh a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me." That's the same testimony he gave about the Word. He said of the Word that was made manifest in the flesh that that someone is coming who was preferred before me, that, that he was before me, but he came after me. And then he gives the exact same testimony about Jesus Christ, letting us know that the Word is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the Word. And I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest. To Israel, therefore am I come baptizing with water. And John, by record, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him, and I know him not. But he that sent me to baptize, who sent him to baptize with water? God, John 1, 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, upon whom thou shalt see the spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he which baptizeth with the Holy Ghost. And I saw and I bear record that this is the Son of God. So the word is Jesus Christ and the word is the Son of God. And that's John's testimony, and all that is linked together in John chapter 1, making very clear that the Word is Jesus, but the Word is the eternal God. Jesus Christ is a man made after the seed of David and came into the world to die on the cross and pay for our sins. Amen? Father, we love you. Thank you again for loving us. Thank you for your Word. Thank you for... Uh, just how pure it is, how clear it is, how how good it is. Help it to help us, Lord. Help us to hide it in our hearts and our minds. And may, may its realities guide us daily. Help us to meditate on, on these facts, on these realities, on these truths. Thy word is truth. And, Lord, it, it tells us all about Jesus Christ, who is the Son of God and God the Son, who came in a body of flesh and died for our sins and Rose again the third day, and we're so thankful for those those uh, eternal truths that that have a have play a massive role in where we will spend eternity. And pray God that you'd help us to get that information out to people who need it, people who need Jesus Christ, people who need to have their sins forgiven, their souls saved, their lives altered. And we know the Word of God and faith in Jesus Christ can absolutely do that. And we pray that you'd help us to be a help to them. Help us to be a help in this community. We pray for this church that you'd build it and that you'd bring uh, people here who are serious about God, serious about your word, serious about evangelism. And Lord, that we'd be able to do something wonderful from this small town and this part of the world uh, for your honor and for your glory. And we sure praise you for it. In Christ's name we pray, amen.